podcast may not be suitable for work or for at home with small children. Listen with caution. Hi, and welcome to uh, The Brain Grave. I'm Crystal. I'm going to be your host, and I have I have a special guest host this evening. Uh, her name is Natalie. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be your ghost host for the evening. Yes. So tonight, we're actually going to talk about something a little bit different than what I've talked about the last couple of weeks. This is a pretty serious topic, just like the other two it's about missing and murdered indigenous women and children. While this, you know, happens all over the world, we're kind of focusing on um, North America, mostly Canada and the United States. Tonight, we're going to kind of start with some of the beginning kind of of what we know and then moving forward to the present as well as, you know, some of the things that we can do to get loud and advocate because this population definitely does not get the um, attention and uh, media that it deserves. So the violence against um, our native women and children um, really started when Christopher Columbus arrived, unfortunately. He really did not see our people as people. Um, he arrived here, he planned to kind of take over and treated those people poorly, including, you know, raping and killing those uh, indigenous people. This history of violence kind of continued. I think it's important to know, and I think the it's becoming more common knowledge but i know like in our textbooks of our youth um that you know christopher columbus didn't even step foot in our america and you know everybody thinks that he you know discovered america um but he wasn't even in the united states when he came this way and also notoriety to him you know thinking that he was in india and the Native Americans are often known as Indians. That's true, Natalie. I, um, yes, I misspoke. I, um, I believe he actually landed in what's now the Bahamas. That's why I was like. Yes, um, sorry, you, you, I misspoke. It was the, the Bahamas. Um, and so that's where, you know, he, he landed and um, it was actually the Lucayan people so the unfortunate starting point of violence against native women and children began with Spanish ex explorers invading their land with the leader, Christopher Columbus. So really little did these natives know they would endure kidnapping, rape, torture, murder, as well as eventual genocide of their people. The Lucayan people were incredibly generous when Columbus landed, which is where like the, Bah the Bahamas is now. The Lucayan people, you know, uh, were also cousins to the Taino people, were the first of the indigenous people to encounter Columbus. They inhabited the Bahamas and were part of the Taino's tribe. A tribe. When they greeted Columbus and his um, explorers warmly, Columbus responded by kidnapping some of the natives and left to explore other islands. Uh, it's thought by 1650, the Taino people were completely extinct after several years of Europeans arriving to the islands where women and girls were sexually abused, tortured, and sold to dealers in addition to their men being forced into slavery and murdered. The blatant disregard for human life is completely astonishing to me. I don't understand how Columbus came and was just like, hey man, I'm just gonna go ahead and kill these people off the island because I'm gonna take this over. I, I guess, I guess what I don't, I don't understand how that <laughs> was okay. And I reading this, I mean, obviously we know what happened, 
But um, like Natalie was saying, you know, that's not what we learned in our textbooks. Um, I don't remember learning any of that. Um, I remember learning that Christopher Columbus, you know, came and, uh, you know, found America and did all of these heroic things. And now I find that he was a murderer, just like, you know, some of these horrendous murderers that we, uh, you know, hear about on true crime podcasts. I don't know that he's any better. In fact, I think he's worse. No, I agree. You know, they really glorified you know, I remember watching the little cartoons with the mouse on the, the, uh, the Santa Maria and, you know, this great expedition and of him finding out, you know, America, our America, the United States of America, and come to find out in reality of Dalting that he never even stepped foot in the United States. And... This is what this is what he's known for, and statues all over the place, glorifying. And I think that's why, when you have something like that, Europe comes over. They're like, well, of course we can we can ensue violence on these women and children, and even the men, because who are they? They're not Europeans. Um, they're savages. You know, they're yeah, they're no one. Um, so of course we can enslave them, we can treat them poorly, we can rape them, we can kill them, and and I do, I guess having no regard for human life. Um, I mean, to completely wipe out a complete a, a tribe to where they didn't exist anymore. I, I just I don't understand that. Um, and so I think that's what sets up these natives. Um, really for lifelong violence. And it just kind of continues, unfortunately. So it continues in the United States, you know, as our own people, you know, come in and they kind of treat them the same. It doesn't, doesn't seem to, you know, improve much. Granted, maybe we weren't as, as harsh, but I don't think that we were improving that treatment much. Generational cycles just being repeated. Absolutely. And so then we kind of, I guess we can kind of fast forward because we know it doesn't get much better. And so now we know that, you know, indigenous women and girls are murdered 10 times higher than all other ethnicities. And it's the third leading cause of death for indigenous women. It's also known that, you know, because of the law enforcement in, in tribes are different, the ratio is actually different too for the amount of law officers that are actually employed for tribes. So a lot of this just doesn't seem like it's on par with what the United States government it is. So the rate of homicide and assault among American Indians and Alaskan natives is like double the rate for the country um, as a whole among all races. Um, so they have a rate of 11.4%, while all races combined have a rate of 5.4%. And they're more likely to experience, experience these violent crimes as a rate of two and a half times higher than the national average, as well as two times more likely to experience rape or sexual assault crimes. And then my question is, is, is if we know this, how often are they actually reported? Because I would kind of bet that this is probably actually even higher because those are the cases that are not reported. Those are the cases that are actually reported. Or even that their uh, ethnicity is reported correctly. 
Yes. So that would be the other thing is we know that it's not always reported correctly that they are American Indian or Alaskan Native. So if they are reported incorrectly as being Hispanic or even African American or some kind of mixed race that we're not really sure or Caucasian, like maybe it's just completely wrong on a report, then these percentages maybe aren't correct at all, um, which makes it even worse. So, you know, it kind of just makes me think that these are probably much higher. And some of the other statistics are, you know, more than half of indigenous women experience sexual violence. So 56%. And it's about the same for indigenous women to be, to be physically abused by their intimate partners. And then about 50% of indigenous women are stalked in their lifetime. I mean, these are insane numbers. Who are protecting these women and, and why? Why is this allowed to happen? I'm not sure that I just, I understand how these numbers are so high and yet there's there's no change per se. And it doesn't help with the stereotypes behind indigenous people in general, that when they do try and report something, it's their fault, they were drunk, you know, they're probably brought it amongst themselves similar to you know your your typical white trash but even you know worse because you know it's the indigenous people yeah so decades of systemic racism even like within law enforcement and you know society in general general has led to racial profiling and over policing which also makes it really difficult when there is a crime for people to even self-report um so you have that issue and then you have what you know what you just said natalie about kind of being blamed so you have victim blaming as well well what did you do you know what what was happening at the time well how about she was just walking home how about she didn't do anything how about he didn't do anything um so you know i think there's a lot of that there is that stereotypical narrative that they're lazy and drug addicts and alcoholics and i don't know you know where those started um media media has a lot to do with these stereotypes um we have joe dirt um selling fireworks on the side of the road we have Disney's Peter Pan um, song of how the red man turned red. Um, we have, unfortunately, as much as I love Johnny Depp, his Tonto character was very stereotyped in um, his The Lone Ranger. But plenty of examples of media, movies, books, um, stereotyping indigenous people when there's a lot more to offer than the portrayal we have to say about them and obviously it doesn't help them it definitely hinders them um, with their own psychological and continuous abuse right um and actually you know i talked about that last week with schizophrenia you know stigma and societal bias definitely does play a factor in you know overall like self-esteem self-worth and how people view themselves so as a culture in itself to have media not take them seriously and then have an entertainment in industry continue to kind of mock their culture and um, ethnicity, I think just makes it to where, you know, people for one don't understand and it makes it easy to just not see them as a real person, which then makes it when crimes happen, they're, they're not tying it to real people.
At least that's kind of how I see it. Obviously, we know they're real people. Um, this is a real problem. And these women and children are not getting the the media and the publicity that they deserve so that we can help you know, find them. The fact that indigenous women are murdered at, at a rate of 10 times the national average and yet are completely underreported, um, the, the amount of missing cases that are actually reported to NamUs and to the justice system is so grossly underreported. It just tells you that, you know, it, they're not, it's not taken seriously. And whether that's by um, law enforcement or by people not reporting because they're scared, I think it's multifactorial. I think there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't happen. But I also think that's part of the reason why um, I started this podcast because, you know, there was an unfortunate case, um, Gabby DePietro, and, you know, I'm so sad for her and her family. I think it's awful what happened to her. But it also shows that, you know, a Caucasian woman who is incredibly attractive, that the whole world can join together and have so much power to try to help find her. But what about all of these missing indigenous women? Where was all the media coverage for them? Where was all of the resources for all of these women that have been missing? I think that's what really stood out to me was realizing that we have so many people that are missing every day. And while I'm very sad that Gabby's case turned out the way that it did, I, I feel really sad for all of these other women and children because they don't even get a chance to have any day in the media, any day where the whole world can see their face and say, hey, maybe I saw them or no, I've never seen them, but they never even get that chance. There's no, you know, there's no big, you know, code Adam for missing um, uh, indigenous women and children. And I guess my question is why not? Do you always have to be blonde hair, blue eyed, Caucasian to be able to qualify for that? I mean, yes, I'm, I am Caucasian and blue eyed, but I don't think that makes me a better candidate to get help. Um, I think that should be equal to everyone. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, the statistics, we, we've seen, um, that freaking show uh, where he cold case is that what it was? was is that what it was called which one dude who would like bring up cold cases and, and um like unsolved mysteries unsolved, yeah well i mean like everybody's seen unsolved mysteries because it's like the creepy like music yeah. like totally made your like skin crawl a little yeah. but you're like i have to watch it because so we, this guy's totally weird yeah we've seen with unsolved mystery <laughs> We've seen with Unsolved Mysteries how cold cases can get solved just by people viewing faces on the television and helping drastically close cases. What about America's Most Wanted? Um, you know, John Walsh was instrumental in helping catch some really bad guys. And, you know, his story is tragic, too. Like, what happened to him and his son, Adam Walsh? Like, I... I can't even imagine being a parent and having that happen, you know, and, and a lot of times stories are unfortunately written in blood and that's kind of what happened with John Walsh. And, but like he has changed so many lives by starting that and unsolved mysteries the same way. And so why can't we start something? Like, why can't we have something where- Representation. Yeah, I mean, these, these 
these missing people need that too. So there are some things that, you know, we can look at um, to report people. And there are people that we can, there are things that we can do um, in the general public, you know, that's, that is possible to help. You know, is it perfect? No. Is it something that is gonna help every single um, missing indigenous woman or child? No, but I think that it's a step in the right direction. And I think that it's worth trying. So I'm gonna talk about NamUs. It's the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. And it was created to kind of have this place where criminal justice people, forensic scientists, policymakers, victim advocates, I mean, pretty much anybody could enter this database and update reports or create a report. Now, granted, if you are a civilian, I, I do believe that law enforcement has to kind of approve what you, you put on there. But I like this because what if what if you're the family of someone who is missing and maybe stuff hasn't been taken seriously? You can still update that and people can see that all over the world. So the one thing about it is that over time it's actually gotten better and they have oversight that's being done daily by the University of North Texas um, Health Science Center. They also have facilitated DNA uh, services. And so that information is entered by uh, UNTHSC's Center for Human Identification. And then they've also entered uh, or created an analytical division. So criminal justice professionals can also have additional resources to help locate information. And then I think they're also collaborating to have latent print unit with the FBI. And I think they're also like looking into like updating NamUs a little bit more. So what does that mean that like you can do? It means you can create an account. It means that if something does happen or if you know information, then you can update that. Do I recommend updating it on several tips? Well, probably not. Probably need to know <laughs> that it's a pretty valid tip, but I mean, you can always contact law enforcement too if it's something that you're not really sure and you'd rather them look into. But I do think NamUs is something that as public, we can look at. Are we gonna be able to look at everything? I don't think so, but I think that if you're wondering about details of when they went missing or things like that, I think that those are things that you can look at. So I think NamUs is important. There are some things in the United States and in Canada that they're both doing to try to um, raise awareness, but also create task force to directly look at these this population so this population of missing indigenous women and children so the one thing uh president trump i think in october of 2020 he signed a bill called savannah's act um and it was named after savannah Graywin. she was 22 and she was part of the spirit lake tribe from north dakota she was killed in 2017. the law is meant to help police like solve track and prevent crimes against native americans it requires the Department of Justice to work with tribes and develop law enforcement guidelines. So prior to this, my understanding was that the DOJ didn't have to, and that also boggles my mind. Yes. I, 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 I think that is insane that it took 2020 to be like, okay, well, ha, DOJ, I guess you're gonna have to help them now. I could be misspoken about this. And if I am, please let me know. But that is my understanding of this. And I believe that this is more, this is more federal. So other states could have had rules where, you know, the state 
needed to help, but this is a this is a federal um, rule. So this is a ruling where you know federal help is required, which I think is is good. And then Biden's administration um, with Sec- Secretary Deb Haaland, um, who is the first Native American cabinet member, by the way. So go girl. She created the Missing and Murdered Unit for Indigenous People. And I think what is also pivotal about this is that the federal government is, you know, having to investigate these cases. It's not just a local and state responsibility. They are required to partner with the FBI. So this is a unit that is expanding on Operation Lady Justice, which was a task force that was launched under the uh, Trump administration. So, you know, one of the few things that maybe I agree with under Trump um, and I say very, very few. I do think this has the opportunity to to do really good things. So the way that I see this is it's like a gigantic cold case unit, but just for murdered and missing women, uh, indigenous women and children. Actually, I, I let me make sure I'm not, I'm sorry, not just women um, and children, it's murdered and missing indigenous people. So of all, um, and I think that is wonderful. Secretary Haaland also implemented the Not Invisible Act. This is with the DOJ. They are establishing a group to reduce violent crime against American Indians and Alaskan Natives. And so, you know, I think that they're going to hold hearings. It looks like they're going to take testimony and receive evidence. So I guess my I guess my issue with this is I, I wonder I'm I'm glad. But what we know currently is depending on the crime is dependent on whether or not the government, the U.S. government gets involved currently in tribal situations. Right. Mm-hmm. So what exactly are they planning to hear? Are they planning to hear like how the tribe gets involved? Because we know that if a U.S. citizen hurts a native, then depending on the actual crime itself, the federal government may not get involved. So I guess I'm just kind of curious, is is the federal government going to be more involved for any kind of violent crime? Does that mean assault automatically makes it to where the federal government has to be involved? Or is the tribal government going to be able to take over? I guess I'm just kind of curious to find out what happens with this. The other thing that I thought was really cool is that Biden signed a proclamation declaring May 5th as the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Peoples Awareness Day, you know, really actively trying to work with the tribal nations to address this obviously high number. So I I think, you know, we're making some leeway and I try not to be negative, Nancy, but um, most people that know me in real life and work with me know me. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, a little bit negative, but uh, I do think I do think this is this is heading in the right direction. What I do think too is that there's already been some states that have been working towards this prior to the Biden administration. So Washington, Minnesota, Wisconsin, looks like they were already like looking like working to fight abduction, homicide, violence and trafficking, but I don't have currently any data on um, where they've come with that. Um, so I think some of this is relatively new. I was going to bring up the, you know, Biden uh, making missing and murdered indigenous peoples awareness day. Also notably that going circling back to Christopher Columbus and us having, you know, Columbus day, depending on where you are, there's various different indigenous peoples day. Um, They have indigenous peoples day, October 10th. They also have it October 12th. Some places, um, you know, have it on the same day as Columbus Day as an option. I know this has 
caused white and uproar in the Italian community. I come from a family of Italian community. Luckily, I feel like my family is modern day woke enough to realize <laughs> that um, regardless of Christopher Columbus being an Italian and somebody to represent the Italians, it doesn't, it's not something to, to take pride in as an Italian. So I graciously would rather have an Indigenous Peoples Day, just like I am for and positive for Black History Month. There should be an Indigenous Peoples Month. So yeah, definitely I'm okay with, you know, replacing Christopher Columbus uh, Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. But, you know, with all these actions on what, you know, North America has been doing to improve, I, I did want to mention that we do have an Indigenous Peoples Day now. Yes, and I think, I think that is wonderful. I'm personally proud of Ohio for deciding to do away with Columbus Day, especially coming from a red state, which I don't feel very red. That's that's not the color that I identify Ooh. with, but that's all I'll say here. So yes, I, I was very pleased to hear that we did that. I come from a German-Italian family, but um, I honestly don't know how they feel about it, and I don't really care. I, <laughs> I think that... Um, I think it's great um, because they were here before us. Um, they deserve to have they deserve to have a lot more. So I think there's some other things too. Like I had mentioned, obviously a code atom is for a missing child, so it's not quite the same as as when an adult goes missing. But I do think there's there should be alerts, just just like when a child goes missing. Might be a little bit different, but it has always pissed me off. I don't know how else to say it. When I hear about, well, someone went missing, but you have to wait the 24 hours or you have to wait the 48 hours. And well, they, they ran away once or they like to party or, or whatever. I just think that's a bunch of horse shit. Especially um, when time is of essence. Absolutely. So we know that the first like 36 to 48 hours, if they've been kidnapped or trafficked or whatever, they're most likely to be killed in that time. And so why the hell would you wait? And then, you know, hope that they're not dead. I don't care if someone tends to run away. I just, I think that's a load of shit. Um, that's my own personal opinion. But if someone comes up missing, I do think radio announcements, social media can absolutely be used um, to alert the community. Um, guess what? We have that availability now. You know, we can really spread the word a lot quicker through social media and really at the click of a button and a lot faster. Can we organize things to the community? Absolutely. And I think those are also things too. We can do a vigil, we can do a search, we can, we can do a justice walk, we can do marches. But there are also some things that I actually found. This was the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. So uh, there are actually some steps that we can uh, go over uh, when a, a Native woman goes missing. That's from the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center, and I will place that link on the braingrave.com. So a couple of things, like I had mentioned, taking action. Yes, we should inform the police. We should track her events. Like, where has she been? What was she wearing last? Was she going to work? Was she, was she traveling for work? That public alert, right? Social media, use it to the best of our advantage. 
And so a lot of the tribal communities are very closely related. So there should be a really good way to kind of spread the word, but also to be able to support each other during that time. I mean, that's really scary too, for someone to come up missing, but hopefully, you know, if you need to, you can do searches and walks, but hopefully getting the word out early on is, is gonna help as well. I do think, you know, if, if a woman definitely has an, a history of, of abuse, within her family, you know, really knowing um, if she if she may have cut ties because of the abuse and, and wanted to leave. In that instance, you know, I, I would hope that some members of her family would know that and would help, you know, keep her safe. Um, but most of the time, I would assume that it was for nefarious reasons and you would want to try to do everything to find her. I think that's kind of like all I have on this just because it's like a toolkit. And so I, I like I said, I will link it but I, I do think that taking it seriously as soon as it happens or as soon as it's realized that they're missing is really the biggest part of it because time is, is precious. It's not something we should wait, wait on. Well, come on, you don't have anything to say? Shit. You're just gonna leave me hanging? out there for a second. Okay. Just leave me hanging like that? Uh, actually, hold on, I was gonna say. Uh... Um, so I think the other thing too is that they have become a lot more outspoken, which I think is wonderful. Um, and so a couple of things that I, I really enjoyed reading about and kind of discovering was um, some of the social movements that, you know, the murdered and missing indigenous women kind of movement has. Um, and so there's a, there's a red hand over the mouth that has become the symbol for this. And it stands for all the missing sisters whose voices are not heard. Um, and it stands for the silence of the media and law enforcement in the middle of this crisis. And so the hashtag that goes with that is no more stolen sisters. And the founder of the Native Women's Wilderness and Indigenous Woman Hike came together with Native artists to honor women and support the campaign. So, you know, I think red is the official color of this campaign. And it looks like too, I know they do like a red dress on a tree as well, but I, I felt like that was that was pretty um, empowering because they were, you know, obviously they're showing we're not invisible. It really kind of hit home for me because um, when I was kind of going over things for the brain grave, I I felt like the the time to be silent is gone. This actually was the biggest uh, reason for for saying that when I saw the red hand over the mouth because it made me realize that this population specifically has has had to be silent for so long. And that's why Natalie and I are sitting here um, because if we're able to help take, you know, one red hand down and give them a voice and, you know, help get answers, then I think we're doing the right thing. So I think that's, I think that's really part of this is, is helping them find that. So, you know, there's no more silence and, and people know that, you know, it's not Native Americans that are just choosing to leave or they're not lazy, they're not drunk, they're not doing this. It's not something they deserved. It's not, you know, they didn't just leave their families. It's not like that. Um, these are women and these are children and possibly being trafficked and murdered and they shouldn't be. I agree. Um, like you said, there's, you know, there's finally some voices that are being heard. Modern technology, we got TikToks now. Um, one very notable character is Modern Warrior. We're hearing voices. I think in, in, in my time, the biggest movement that I can recall, which is really what like opened my spirit to indigenous rights was the Dakota Access 
pipeline. I, I, I don't ever recall seeing such a gathering and such a powerful movement for the indigenous people until that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. So I'm with all these, I'm, I'm glad that they're finally getting a voice. And like you said, like this speaks straight to the mantra of this podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're getting their moment to talk. Like I said, especially on like TikTok, I see it all the time. Like they're having a voice now. You know, and I, I'm actually glad you brought up TikTok because I think what I, I love that they're still doing it, even though you're still you're still seeing this incredible amount of hate mm-hmm. um, on TikTok, you know, and you see it on, you know, you see it on Instagram and you see it on Facebook and stuff. But you the amount that was on TikTok is kind of crazy. And it reminds me, too, that we have so much left to fight still. Now, it is it just hate that we see on you know, um, indigenous peoples and Native Americans? No, I mean, we see it all, we see it on everybody. I mean, everybody can hate everybody. But some of the things that are said, like some of the stuff that's been said to Modern Warrior is absolutely, uh, it's terrible. Um, I mean, to the point where I think that poor man had to move because they found out where he lived. And I believe, I I think that was what I had watched. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I mean, this is a fight that, I mean, he he's fighting the good fight, right? But like then his family and himself are at risk because these people are literally like threatening his life. Because he so, wants to speak up for his culture. Because he's and and so I guess then what happens to people on podcasts that are speaking up for them? You know, I I absolutely am going to speak up every time we do criminal confab. Natalie and I, I've already volunteered her, so you know, welcome. <laughs> Um, hear more of my voice. <laughs> so Natalie and I are going to talk about one or two missing indigenous women. Each time we do criminal confab, are we going to have a lot of information? Probably not. And I think the point of that is we're going to go over the details that we know. We're going to go over who you can report tips to. We're going to give you links of the places that you can look at because we want to give them a name. We want you to know their name because I don't want them to be silent. Even if you don't know anything about that person that's missing, I want you to look on the website. I want you to to know who they are because I think that at least knowing some of these people or maybe you know somebody who who did know something. The whole point of this is to get the word out. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I love true crime, um, but that's not what this is about. This is about this specific population um, because um, true crime is covered on all other podcasts and they do it a lot better than me and we're focusing on one particular that's population. Yep. And, and, and so this isn't gonna have a lot of exciting stories per se. This is gonna be about you know, what we know and what you can do. And if you have tips, like where, where you can report them to. And I think that, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get hits, maybe we won't. But at the end of the day, I just want them to have a chance. Just like I have with the other two episodes, you know, we'll have some information about some of the social movements that they're doing, like No More Stolen Sisters, um, the Red Dress Campaign, the Indigenous Women Hike, Native Women's Wilderness. There's also the Urban Indian Health Institute. I have like several um, in here that I will link. And then I will also link NamUs um, and a couple of other things for you. And then each episode, just like I've 
I've done before will have specific things based off of the case. And my hope is, is that empowers you to kind of get loud. You know, I think that even if it's clicking a button and looking at something, maybe it's just enough to make a difference. Because at the end of the day, I mean, this is someone's loved one. This is someone's, you know, mom or sister or daughter. And, you know, they haven't come home. I would want that. I would want my family to be given every chance they possibly could. I just don't feel like they have gotten that. You know, if you have questions, please, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us. But, you know, the next episode is probably going to be Music Minute. And we're going to do it on Amy Winehouse. So um, stay tuned for that. All right. So brain grave people, um, have you ever had someone go missing or have ever had someone that you loved die unexpectedly um, or or be murdered? I I mean, I hope not. But if you have um, and I'm sorry if that's happened, think about helping us spread the word so that maybe some of these families can get closure. So the time to be silent is gone. Get loud, my friends. Thanks for listening. Thank you for having me.